Hey everybody, this is Kevin Couchman with the podcast Get This. It's the show about things people love. Coming to you from the Corona Bunker here in upstate Manhattan on Tuesday, March 17th in the foul year of our Lord 2020. And again, every day that passes that becomes more clear. One of the very worst years ever. What a, <laughs> and, I, and I'm joined by, by not one, not two, but three of my very favorite people in the world. I have my fiance Sabra Corcoran here. Hey, Sabra. Hello. And, Hello, Sabra. And <laughs> just to be clear, Sabra and I are quarantined together, and we're joined remotely by the one and only Jose Ignacio Gomez. <laughs> Should I speak closer <laughs> to the microphone? <laughs> you're, you're fine. And uh, and second time guest uh, on the show, Michael Backinson. You're an actor. Correct. Yeah, that so, is correct. So, what do you want to talk about today? So, um. You know, 2020 was starting out pretty great. <laughs> to be honest, I was having an awesome 2020 until this whole uh, thing arrived. Uh, I know we're we're doing a clean show here, so we'll keep it uh, we'll keep it clean. Keep it PG, but um, man, I, yeah, um, I started out the year unexpectedly getting a job offer to uh, participate in the pre-Broadway tryout of um, the stage adaptation of The King's Speech, which was uh, written by David Seidler. Originally in 1980, before the oh, wow. film came out, like uh, 30 years before the film came out. Um, so he brought it back to the stage. It was done in London a few years ago, and they're trying to bring it to Broadway here in New York. Um, again, it got a little bit derailed with the uh, coronavirus. So anyway, I thought that was something uh, cool to talk about just because it was a big passion project of mine for the first uh, couple months of the year. Right. So let me let me get the f the facts straight. So the first was the book, then the movie, and then the play. And now first, the play. No, first David. Uh, I'll just do a little backstory on David Seidler. Right. He wrote for film and television, but he was born in England shortly before World War II broke out. Uh, oh, so okay. he survived the Blitz. Um, his family's home was actually hit by a bomb, <laughs> and uh, he moved into the country. And then they decided to move to America. So he moved to America as a, a young child, and the trauma of that experience um, gave him a, a stutter. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, so that was something that he spent, I think it wasn't until he was in his teens that he kind of was able to get control of that. Um, and a hero of his had been um, King George of England, who was the king during World War II. And because it was brought to his attention and his parents kept saying, this guy had a stutter and he overcame it. So he was just fascinated by what that story was. So many years later, as an adult, uh, when he was done with television writing, we're not done with it, but looking to, to follow kind of a passion project, he started to write this play, um, which became The King's Speech. He wrote to... Uh, I think his manager or the production company required him to get permission from the queen mum who is featured in it. She's the wife of King George and was still alive at the time. And she said, great idea, but uh, that was the worst time of my life. And I don't want this portrayed while I'm still alive. So he was like, mm. okay, she's 80 years old. We'll put it up maybe in five or six years. Oh, geez. <laughs> she, she lived to be 103. So uh, he, you know, he blew the dust off of his manuscript wow. in uh, 2003 and tried to get it produced as a play, adapted it into a film. No one would give him the time of day. Uh, they're like, uh, who wants to watch a film about a king that stutters? Um, so, <laughs> did they do it um, in that accent, that exact accent? That they was, did. They did. That was my Harvey. Yeah. That was my Harvey Weinstein accent. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Whatever happened to old Harvey? Yeah. I don't know where that came from. But okay. You, you think no, you're, you're, you think you're having a bad year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. That guy. Yeah. Uh, but I actually used to work for well, twenty three uh, years. Same 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 time, right? Mm -hmm. Twenty three years. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. For the King's speech. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm for the yeah. Weird kismet. Let's play that yeah. number. <laughs> you were saying, Michael? Uh, yeah. So I actually, when I was a reader for Miramax, the 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 uh, script came to my desk unsolicited he he didn't have uh you know he wrote it on spec and uh eventually somebody took a chance on it tom hooper uh directed the film and you know went on to win all these academy awesome, awards awesome movie yeah yeah but it was like you know 30 years in the making um saying what an yeah, amazing yeah. story that's really inspiring yeah 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 definitely 
Yeah. So, and and it's interesting. It appeals to a lot. You know, it, yes, it's a king that stutters, but it's it's the demographics that it appeals to is pretty widespread. It's sort of you know anyone who's faced challenges in their life. Right. You can be what the Lord of the Realm during a very trying time, and also have what amounts to mm -hmm. a disability. And yeah, the contrast there is quite profound and lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recall also, liking the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it was a fine film. Yeah, it's also kind of, you know, a buddy picture. It's about uh, a unique friendship between people of very different backgrounds. Um, the, the speech specialist that I played in the play and Jeffrey Rush played in the movie is this kind of, you know, lower middle class guy from Western Australia, which couldn't have been more remote in the 19 teens and 20s when he moved to England, who just through his sheer talent and kind of determination ended up being this expert that that uh, allowed the, the king to overcome his, his stutter. Yeah, that's quite a story. That's really about two people overcoming something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lovely. And so you were cast in this play down in D.C.? Correct. Well, I was cast here. Um, it was supposed to be part of this larger tour. I wasn't sure if I could make all the dates. I was offered the D.C. portion of, of uh, the out-of-town tryouts. And as it happens, everything else got canceled so mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, we rehearsed it in New York. Um, it had been done in Chicago with uh, some uh, some different actors. Uh, some of the actors were the same. The, the two lead actors were um, recast, as was the lead one of the lead actresses. Um, and uh, yeah, so I came into it in New York and, and then took it down to D.C. to the National Theater, which is this huge, ancient uh, Broadway roadhouse down there, um, like seventeen hundred seats, built in eighteen thirty five. How many? So you were playing in front of how many people? Uh, Seventeen hundred. Wow! What was that like? Yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, it was <laughs> it was wild. It was you know you'd have some nights you know a packed house, standing ovations, but it was you know the stage lights on you can't can't see anything. You just kind of hear this <laughs> roar coming yeah. at you, like, uh, and you look lights. up up up, <laughs> and it's it's like I don't know, looking at the top of a ta a tall building is the where the, the audience goes up to. Is is there an intermission in that show? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a pretty tight show. I think it's like an hour first act, forty five minutes second act. Kevin's yeah. all about the intermission. I, you know, I love <laughs> I love a good intermission. I know I'm trying to understand the structure of the show. All right. <laughs> hey, I'm a playwright. This stuff I, matters. I'm I curious. know. I know. I actually did see yeah. the King's speech. I really enjoyed it. And then um, I think there's this particular scene in the movie where he's trying to help him learn how to speak, but he understands like if he blocks out the sound of hearing himself, then he can speak yeah. properly. And then mm -hmm. I was, I'm always kind of in a YouTube hole and I came across these documentaries in the UK and they did like educating these specific regions of the UK. Mm -hmm. And this one kid had this really bad stutter in Yorkshire and mm -hmm. the teacher tried this cause he had to like, you know, I think he had to do some sort of speech for his uh, college entrance. Mm -hmm. And um, they actually used this tactic on him, and he was actually able to get through the whole speech. So it was really, yeah, <laughs> I think that was like yeah, the yeah. inspiring part of it. Yeah, it's I got, a, I got, a, I got another story. It's like there's, there's this famous Venezuelan songwriter from the '80s called Giordano Di Marzo, Di Marzio. Mm -hmm. It's a Italian background, I guess. You know, but you know, Venezuelan. Uh, but he studied in my high school. You know, when I was a kid, and they used to call him machine gun because he was stuttering <laughs> you know that was, but that was a bully but, you know Venezuela is very very normal to bully everybody so but yeah. anyway uh anyway it's like so so he had this problem he, he was stuttering all the time when he was speaking at that that like you know it's, it was crazy but when he sing like it was completely going away and he is like a mm. one of the best songwriters from Venezuela poets like beautiful the, his lyrics are beautiful 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 yeah. I mean, that's really common, and that's yeah. that's addressed in the the uh, the film and and the theater show. Is that he one of the techniques he uses is to get into uh, to sing to sing through uh, things that he's he's stammering yeah. over. So I say like, try uh, you know try uh, Swanee River or try. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And how did you work on your accent for the show? Did you did you try that one was, on? Yeah, that was actually a real challenge. It was interesting. There was um, a wonderful uh, speech dialect coach that we worked with from Chicago. And we just made some sort of basic decisions. One was that um, 
because it's referenced in the text and it's also referenced in the historical record that Lionel Logue could not, even though he was a speech specialist, he had trouble fully shedding his Australian accent. Mm-hmm. But he was doing his, his darndest to, to do royal pronunciation, RP. Sure. So we kind of had to go from a, a perspective of doing the royal, the RP, but uh, blending in occasionally certain vowels that, that uh, had the Australian um, color to them. Why anyone would want to be rid of their the mellifluous, the famously beautiful Australian accent is beyond me. <laughs> I love I it. Aussie. I love it. Aussie I think Aussie's great. Did you, you, you just record that and, and, and just show it to Monica? I'm going to record that. <laughs> yeah, so right. Make an ISO of that and see you know, Monica will be knocking at the door. Also, it's different, different, I it's love different that times. you're wearing Monica's like, sunglasses right now as well. <laughs> this is my own sunglasses, and this is what she used when she just her dryer. Whenever she got her hair wet. Monica is I'm, very I'm, famously, I'm stupid for the podcast. famously Jose's uh, significant other. I've taken some screenshots so you can see what Jose looks like, uh, like yeah. right now because this is an audio <laughs> podcast. It'll be uh, on the show notes at getthispodcast.com. And you look like a professional wrestler. It's, a, it's, <laughs> just, a, it's just an, a, a, an apocalyptic. Uh, apocalyptic <laughs> you, right, you do. You, yeah, you look like an extra from uh, Mad Max. Speaking of Australia, drinking yeah, <laughs> the last the last sip of the gasoline right here. Oh, there you go. There you go. Right. By the way, Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. None of us are wearing green. I noticed. Oh, I am. Ah, corporate is. Okay. I you am. have to be. Yeah. But you going back to to, back to Michael, like Michael is like one of those people that just show up in your life. And they're like, oh, my God, this guy is so interesting. Like, he's been an actor all of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows a lot about Shakespeare and these, and he's read a lot. And he's really a theater actor. Like, he's like, he was born to this. Like, it's amazing. And he's also a super cool guy. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 really. Yeah. So cool any, anything you want to, I don't know. How do you feel like uh, the young Michael, you know, you know, starting to be an actor and this, and then wow, I'm doing King's Speech in Washington. I know you have done many other stuff, but well, it was that's why 2020 felt so amazing because it was such kismet yeah. with this particular role. Um, the uh, playing Lionel Logue, I had um, he was he kind of founded the speech and voice movement that my uh, that my wife and I learned in graduate school, met in graduate school doing. She ended up getting certified in it later. I teach voiceover okay. as a professor. I use it with my classes. I use it the warm-ups all the time. And they they descended from this guy that I got to portray. Wow. So that that's was cool. an incredible feeling to be playing a, a real, you know, a real historical figure that I had in some ways already had connections to. Um, but this, you know, interestingly enough, having done theater since I was, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, I had done it every single year until my daughter was born. And then I did some workshops of things. Wow. I did some readings of stuff, including Kevin, uh, Kevin's uh, great yeah. uh, play, Moderation. Um, but this was my first full production since my daughter was born. So uh-huh. kind of it, it, it was a, uh, I don't know, a, a return to the theater for me, which was really gratifying. And that's not a mild return either. That's pretty significant to go into a It was like wild. That. Yeah. I was, I was kind of like keeping the panic attack at bay when we were sitting down because it was a very truncated uh, rehearsal process. They already had uh, they already had it blocked, which is where you have you know the, where the the patterns on stage, where you have entrances and exits. We only had a couple of weeks to kind of get up to speed. We're into tech, and our first run through was in front of fifteen hundred people. Wow! We had never done the play uh, start <laughs> to finish with tech until the first paying audience. Gracious! Wow! That's nerve wracking. <laughs> It yeah. really was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How <laughs> did everybody do? How'd you hold up? I mean, it was, it was great. It was, it was electric. It was exciting. Mm. Um, me and, and the, uh, the, the other lead who's playing the king, we would meet every single show about 45 minutes before to run our scenes as fast as possible. We sure. just, cause bam, 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 bam. we had not had the rehearsal time to right. really get solid on stuff. So we were yeah. right up through the, the closing of the show. We were meeting to, to run lines. I'm losing when, when, my breath thinking about that right now. Go on, Jose. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, and, and with the image of the of the whole situation, uh, did you when did you start feeling confident or 
because I know there's always that little nerve when you go to the, the first time on stage and then you're just like, and then everything is like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it really felt like, um, who's that guy that walked between the World Trade Center towers? Yeah, the, uh, Yale, yes. the, uh, train? the yeah. Frenchman. Uh, I think yeah, it's the, Philippe. Uh, is that his name? Something I like that. Yeah. Remember the yeah the, the documentary. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Like you know right. that you've got the, you, you know you've got the experience. You've done it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've done it in your retreat in Colorado, eight feet above the ground. But until you actually get on the, <laughs> between the World Trade <laughs> Center, yeah, that's several thousand feet up. I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. It's yeah. windy. Yeah, but that's an idea. That's a extreme situation because I actually compare being in the moment. We actors say that a lot. Being the moment uh, for me is like I compare it like with surfing. I, I'm yeah. not a surfer, yeah. but I don't know why I like the idea of being on a wave. And once you get in, it's something that you just gotta go with it until it's, it's done. Yeah, I mean, we luckily we didn't have the luxury of feeling uh, like anything had become rote. You were really discovering something completely new every time you did it. Um, and it got faster, louder, funnier, whatnot yeah. as the show went on. How, um, many, how many characters are in this? Well, it was a big cast, actually. I think yeah. there were about 15 or 17 right. actors in the cast. Um, people moving the sets on and off and then a few supporting roles. So it was, you know, kind of a, a chorus of people as well as uh, King George the Sixth father, um, his wife, my wife. Um, his brother who abdicated the throne, his mistress, Wallace Stimson. So it sort of covered as well as Winston Churchill yeah. um, and several other political figures of the time, including the the Archbishop of Canterbury. Mm -hmm. Big named, play. Uh, Cosmo Lang. Big, big mm -hmm. play. Big yeah. play. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful story. Definitely. Right. So um, he writes it as a play. It ends up yeah. in the drawer because of the Queen Mom. Yeah who exactly. lives to be 103 because good genes and presumably great medical care, clean living. And, and a couple of glasses of gin every day. Right, right. Yeah. Just a That's gin, how they stay alive. Hey, a little bit of gin. It never hurt anybody. And, and then he brings it out, adapts it into a film, and it gets made into a film, and now finally it's come back to stay, the stage. And, and did they do this yeah. okay? First? They did. They yeah. did it on London. It did quite well there. Uh, and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make this happen right now. Of course, Broadway shut completely shut down. But we had uh, the Schuberts come down and see it. Uh, Catherine Schreiber, who's this incredible, she won like producer of the year a couple years ago. She was down there, a big booster for it. Um, and a guy named Michael Alton uh, is has been shepherding it ever since London, sort of his pet project. And I was, you know, I was concerned, like, you know, I know they're going to try to get some big famous star for this at some point. But mm. I, I met him at the bar after one of the previews and we talked for, I want to say an hour and a half. And he said, you know, why do I have to create, uh, you know, why do I have to create some musical based on something else? You know, why do I have to, why do I have to, I forget what example he used, like happy days, yeah. the musical or something, you know, <laughs> why do I have to create this stunt? Why do I have to have celebrity casting? Why can't I just do a good show, tell mm. an amazing story? Mm. And yeah. it was, you know, who knows if he's going to be able to get the financing to do it with somebody like, yeah. you know, little old me. But to hear it from the person who's created this current production was really gratifying. Well, after you yeah. have the get this bump, anything's possible. <laughs> exactly. No, no. And then, and then I think that's the beauty of the story. It's a guy, you know, uh, look, like you say, a lower class guy that, you know, make it to be best friend of the king. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's kind of part of like. You, you are that person, you know, already, yeah. you know, not like you're poor. I mean, I think you're doing pretty well, you know, you know, based on, you know, the average. Yeah, but that, a lot of that was, was what he was working <laughs> with. He wanted well, yeah, him to that's, sing that's, that's stuff. Just... He wanted to swear stuff and he wanted to get him off of his pedestal yeah. and recognize that this throne is nothing but a stage prop. This crown is nothing but a, a you know, a costume piece. And you got to talk through that mic to your audience as if you're talking to a friend. So you need to know what it's like to be a friend. Yeah. You need to be able to, you know, adjust your status accordingly. Yeah, and, and then and that's what actors actually. Well, that's my main goal as an actor or as a human being. All the time, just find my own voice. Yes, find my voice, and then and then you as an actor know this. And, and in spite of the place, like 
you have a voice. That's the, the mm-hmm. main message of the whole play. You got a voice. I found yeah. my voice when I was 14, so ha. <laughs> I think we I <laughs> definitely know that. <laughs> Sabra. They say we're in Spanish, is Sabra. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so how many performances did you get to do, uh, Michael? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, all told, it was, uh, you know, a run-through and, and eight, yeah. eight performances. Uh, and I bet that last uh, one, it must have been bittersweet because you're just getting into it, right? You feel like you could do it for three more months. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Although, in some ways, it was a tremendous gift because sometimes sometimes shows drag on. You you end up losing the passion or people, you know, mm-hmm. kind of falls apart for one reason or another. And to have it kind of just be this sweet, perfectly wrapped little project yeah. and not little but but to have it be a short time was was kind of gratifying in its own way yes mm-hmm. fascinating yeah right and where did and you... i had to get back I, you I, know my, yeah. my wife was uh, we we're co-directing a show that she had completely was taking over for the first two weeks of it because i was out of town and uh, and presumably that's canceled now as well. yes that was canceled four days yeah. before opening wow uh, four we... days right yeah. uh, oh. Right. And Michael, you went to grad school in San Diego, correct? Yep. You see San Diego. And where are you from originally? Yeah. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Long way from home. Yeah. <laughs> we're all in the same neighborhood here in Manhattan, by the way. Everybody's up yeah. in Washington Heights, but we're yeah, in three, different, three different apartments right now because of Corona. We're probably like a, thou- in a th- thousand feet away or something like that <laughs> from yeah, each other. We, we, yeah, probably, we hear the emergency vehicles coming yeah. by. It's like, it's probably Jose first, then me, then you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has anyone else found it feels a little eerie lately, especially in the oh. mornings? The sound is just not quite as intense as it typically is. Have you noticed that? I'm sure. enjoying it, oh, though. You know, you mean the 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 sound of the city? Yeah, I was just talking about that with Monica in the morning, but it's I think it's a silence in the world. You know, like a different a different. You know, it's like a it's like it's like everybody just be quiet for one one day, a couple of days. It's gonna be fine. You know, and I, and I think it's beautiful. I mean, I really, I really, I really feel bad about all the people that is you know being sick and and is dying. There's a lot of yeah. people dying. I'm yeah, really right. sad about that, but. Oh my God! I don't know. I feel but like they're suggesting. Uh, they're suggesting yeah. that they're supporting the people who are sick. Are like, yeah, stay apart from each other. Like this is mm-hmm. gonna help. So yeah. they can agree that, and I think everybody needs a few days off. Everybody needs their days of Netflix and chill. Well, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of Netflix and chill going. On. Well, they're gonna be they're gonna be the Corona babies in nine months. Quarantine. Oh my gosh! Right. Think about that. And then in thir- uh, thirteen years, they're gonna be the quarantines. <laughs> right. That, that should be the new, the new excuse for you know not going to no show up for work in the future. It's like a Netflix, a Netflix and a Netflix and chilling. Yeah, I can go to work. See how long that lasts, Michael. Presumably, you know a lot of actors in town here. Of course, we all kind of do, but you're mm-hmm. really keyed into this. What's the community saying about this situation with Broadway shutting down? A lot of people are out of work. People tend to live check to check or. Or if not quite that, not everybody has a really robust yeah. uh, savings account. And uh, we're talking about artists here. So what's the, yeah. what's the word on the street? I mean, street? It's, it's kind of frightening, you know. I mean, I was putting myself on tape for a pilot last week, and it got canceled. And I, I have a friend who's shooting this big uh, series for Netflix. It's, it's done now for a while. They have the first season in the can, and they were four days away from having the second season in the can. Uh, but you know, who knows, who knows when stuff will resume. I mean, if you can't have more than 10 people meeting together, how are you going to put on, uh, you know, a play much, you know, a, a, a TV show, much less a play. Um, so I don't know how people are reacting. I, uh, Nick, I don't follow that many people on social media. Um, Nick Westrate that I was doing the show with, um, posted something about some, I think some production companies are still paying their actors. Well, that's, cool. um, I, I didn't DM him to see if he was getting paid still um, from the King's speech because he was going to continue on to Hartford and Toronto, which both got canceled. Um, so I don't know if they were going to pay him for a few weeks of that or something. But uh, I know some people some people are getting are getting paid still. But uh, uh, at a certain point, that's going to dry up and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, who knows? But by the way, I just got uh, some some kind of like. Uh, I say like tips for the crisis. Like SAG AFTRA is giving away funds from the SAG AFTRA Foundation. So for SAG AFTRA members, can we our own pause? There's like a family 
thing going on in Michael House. Yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, you know, if this thing yeah. goes on for more than four weeks, it starts to get pretty real. I think two to four weeks, we can kind of weather it. Obviously, people are going to be hurting. Yeah. Nobody's loving this. If it starts to go on much further than that, it starts to get very weird. Sure. Yeah. And I'm sure, Jose, I mean, you, you live on tips. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on tips. <laughs> no, I'm t I'm on tips. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't say any. Yeah. Uh, no, but, I mean, propinas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No. No. I know. I mean, I'm, it's so weird. And I know. I. I, I think I should be scared. I, I've been in worse situations before. You know, econ uh, in in my economics, in my you know, with my money. But I, I don't know. I think I'm relaxed right now because I think. I feel that really that the atmospheres in the world has switched for a moment. Um, with all these noises in the news and the, the same noises that has gone forever and ever, it's good to have this silence and this reflection moment and feel like we're all together one time yeah. and connected to the internet and talking to each other and in the same situation, seeing how fragile we are and and mm -hmm. how how much we really need each other. It's all, you know, we need to really get into that, man. And we also yeah. need to not read the news every five minutes like I have. It's really kind of daunting. Yeah. It's not good mentally. So I think we're going to yeah. start practicing like turning off our phones at night. Just being like, no, no, I mean, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's definitely not easy. It's definitely not easy. And it's definitely scary times. But at the same time, it's, you know, okay, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of wondering if it's going to come back with a whimper or a bang, right? Is there going to be a day where they just go, okay, we're done, or are they going to roll things back slowly? Because it kind of rolled out a little slowly. It was first this is travel, you know, this travel ban, then this travel ban, then, okay, now we're going to shut the schools down, and now we're going to do this, you know? I kind of wonder if there's any more surprise that's coming. Are we going to see bridges? I don't, I don't think so. I certainly hope not. Uh, no, because people need to eat. So yeah, the next two weeks are going to be very telling. Uh, Michael, yeah. getting back yeah. to yeah, getting back to the mm -hmm. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How uh, how how did you prepare for something like that so quickly? Did you pick up some books and just start reading? Uh, what was the story there? Yeah, I did. I uh, I got a. There was something written by the by Lionel Logue's uh, grandson named Mark Logue. Uh, with uh, somebody, I believe it was from the Guardian, or let me see where it was from. Uh, it's from the Sunday Times, a journalist named uh, Peter Conradi. Um, just a great history of the era, the lead up to it, and there are a lot of differences between the actual story and the the theater show because he David uh, dramatized it, so he, sure. he compressed he compressed the action. He put a lot of the work that they had done together, maybe ten years before World War II, and put mm -hmm. it right on the eve of World War II, so that that was a lot more dramatic. Yeah, there's a, um, a shorter clock. So, so I kind of plunged into that, but really, you know, most of the work comes in the rehearsal room and just taking the leap, learning the lines, playing with your scene partner, and then having the, the feedback from the director. Um, so we kind of, we got proficient with things. We got the, the heart, the emotional part of it, but then uh, the director who I've worked with before is wonderful. His name is Michael Wilson. Um, he will often, right at the last minute, give these kind of big picture notes mm. um, and and really heartfelt notes right at the end. Like you're in tech and it's like that last missing piece. Um, for instance, just uh, the relationship with my wife, the fact that the stakes of things, she's, you know, that we're, we're in a, a marriage that's on the verge of failure. So maybe at the beginning of uh, rehearsal, I, I didn't really grasp the stakes of that within mm. the relationship. Mm. But that adding that layer in made the whole performance make more sense. The stakes of why I need to work with this king and succeed has to do with my own marriage and whether or not it's going to survive. Mm. Um, so, so that was it. You know, you just and then you're just memorizing lines from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, and then you dream about the play. <laughs> <laughs> right. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Well, so if this year had not been interrupted by Corona. What were the next three? What's, what was the show you were working on? So, yeah. Um, uh, and it's a wonderful play. It's called Polaroid Stories. It's by oh, a, yeah, yeah. a playwright named yeah, uh, Naomi Izuku, uh, Izuka. She was uh, commissioned by the actually Playwright Center in Minneapolis. Yep. Uh, in the mid-90s, uh, she proposed this thing of uh, interviewing homeless teens there, and she combined it uh, with Greek myths, specifically from the Metamorphosis. 
Ovid's The Metamorphosis. So it's this wonderful combination of like real interviews that have, that have then been kind of twisted and bent and, and recreated as Ovid's Metamorphosis. And uh, my wife had wonderful ideas for it about it's kind of almost like everybody's trapped in Hades. So that the set yeah. was like this triangular thing that the people were, were, were trapped on. Um, and the students were, I mean, in wonderful shape. We did a, a full run through on the set, no lights, no costumes, no anything, but we got that in and I did, I just got it on my iPhone. So I've got these huge <laughs> five, five gigabyte, um, act one, six gigabytes for act two, going to wow. edit it together and distribute it to them. So we've got that, we've got a, a live record of it. Where was that? Right. This is at Lehman college where we're both professors, adjunct professors there. Um, and where, is, a, uh, where is Lehman college? So for people that know the Bronx, um, <laughs> let's say if you take the one train mm-hmm. up to about two thirty first street, get off there, you walk up a hill. It's about a 15 to 20 minute walk from the one train, or you can take the BD to uh, grand concourse. The six yeah. goes up there. There's a big reservoir up there. These kind of old apartment buildings. And then the campus itself, I believe it used to be, I'm going to get in trouble here. I think it used to be the campus for Hunter college before it moved to Manhattan. So it has this beautiful mm-hmm. kind of, uh, gothic revival that, that kind of thing in the 20s and 30s like yale has like these old mm. um stone buildings and then kind of newer 60s era um buildings and it's got a, a pretty great music and arts um uh auditorium and then a, and a theater uh, center that has a studio theater and a and a much larger theater great hey if you want to send some stills of the uh what you had there from the from the yeah. stage yeah, yeah. Send those. that'd be cool I'd yeah be yeah, yeah. See that's, that's a nice idea throw yeah. them in the, throw them in the show notes yeah 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 Get this uh, podcast.com. Oh, so, yeah. No, 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 sorry. Uh, how, how about the, the rest of the cast in, on the play? Like any actors like, you know, with a big trajectory trajectory, or anything that you want to share about that? In the King's Speech? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know how, how famous uh, it would be outside of theater circles, but Nick Westrade, who was in it, I had seen on Broadway in Casa Valentina, and he did... Um, he did a show about Hamlet uh, with uh, I'm going to space on her name now. Um, anyway, Nick Nick is a Broadway performer. He was on Turn, that show about the the spies during the Revolutionary War. He was a series regular there for a couple of years. And then the other people were uh, Maggie Lacey, who's a great again Broadway actress. Uh, Elizabeth Lado was a, a Chicago actress, and a guy named John Judd, a great Chicago actor. So they they had this sort of like yeah. A great core group of Chicago actors, and then brought in the three yeah. of us from New York. How was how was the feeling between the cast, between you, you guys? You you get along together very well oh, yeah. Uh, immediately. Yeah, yeah right. we really bonded, and I I really yeah. liked Nick. He's he's a very talented, very funny, very smart guy, and I think we mm-hmm. both knew that we're you know we were going to have to sink or swim together, and so we yeah. just really supported each other and were positive and and developed a friendship over the course of it it was it was pretty great and the chicago company was terrific too they came in and they were so supportive they they only had like a couple days to re-rehearse the thing and before they went into tech because it was just the kind of the four core uh, members of the company that were there for the first couple weeks so those chicago guys were were really supportive and, and it was a good good company good how long were you in dc just about two weeks Wow, that's a whirlwind, man. And it was crazy. Yeah. And I was told a week before I went into rehearsal, they're like, uh, what do you think about this? <laughs> I auditioned, I auditioned yeah. for it in December. So, you know, it was out right. of my mind. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember you telling me, oh, I'm doing the King's speech. And I was, thought it was like, oh, I'm just going to go to DC, rehearse, all of that. And then, and then they know we are already doing the rehearsal scene in New York. <laughs> And in one week, we got to be there. I was like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to have this? <laughs> yeah, well, actors, yeah, we're crazy. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't realize that you adjunct. So you adjunct uh, voice? Is that what you do? You teach? Yeah, I do uh, voice, and uh, I've taught acting there as well. Um, but I don't teach – what I teach is voiceover. That was something that uh, I got into for a while doing audiobooks. Um, so the head of the program met me. My wife was already there teaching voice, Pamela Backinson. And, uh, and he said, well, we, we need a voiceover teacher. It meets like once a week, it's like a three hour course. Do you think you could do that? So I'm actually podcasting is one of the units that I yeah. teach in the class. Hey, but, 
Maybe I could have you come in and lecture. Oh. You know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I love that. I don't know. If I don't know how we're video. Gonna, yeah. All right. You just you have me. Uh, yeah. Bring me in by Skype. So Kevin, Kevin is unnatural. <laughs> Kevin is unnatural. The first time I was in a podcast with him, I think I wasn't part of it. I was just listening. But then <laughs> Kevin is always talk to you with his. He have a baritone voice, but then he get into the microphone. It's like, yeah, Kevin Cutsman. Uh, All right. That's okay. actually what my parents okay. said. They're like, like, he's hey. got a great voice. Thank you. That's nice. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fun. That's cool that you do that. And she teaches voice there too? Uh, she teaches voice and acting as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have this connection there. It's somebody that years ago, actually, a woman that attended our wedding and uh, – I went to school with him and he was my best man at our wedding. She's been teaching there as a, as a professor of uh, theater history for, I want to say 10 or 12 years. Wow. And so she reached out to us um, a couple years ago, offered Tam, Tamla a job. She started working there and then I started working there and, you know, we were all set to, uh, to direct this thing there together. Do you think you'll pick it up? You must. I think so. I, I think it's going to happen. I, it's going to be tough, but um, actually immediately before doing this, I was on a, a conference video with the whole theater department. And uh, there was a guy that was, he's the last man on campus. <laughs> so Chris, Chris was videoing from backstage where he had been working all day, putting all the safety railings on our set because oh, he didn't want to leave man. a set that was like this dangerous set. Sure, yeah. So he was, you know, screwing every last nail or every last screw and, and putting up the railings and making sure that it was safe and ready to go because nothing is going to happen there mm. uh, until you know, the, the ban is lifted and then presumably we'll hopefully reconvene the, the cast, rehearse a little bit, go into tech and put it up ASAP. But of course, nobody knows where that is. If, if you get to know this, uh, how, how much money was involved in this production? Any idea about that? The King's Speech? King's Speech? Yeah. yeah the King's Speech. Oh, I mean, millions. Um, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Pretty serious. Crazy. Yeah. But these producers, they've they've got money and they they know what they're in for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. get involved in a play. It's like opening a restaurant. You know yeah. what the percentages are. You yeah. can't Absolutely. make a living, but you can make a killing. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a straight play too. What a what a yeah. thing to mount. Uh, you know, you have the movie behind it. It, it it's mm -hmm. historical, big cast, nice uh, story, great story. So the vibe from yeah. the people who who were on the board of directors at the national theater in DC, it was extremely positive because they're used to bringing in basically Broadway shows on tour or Broadway musicals that are trying to go to New York. And this was like one of the first straight plays that they'd had in years and years. And mm -hmm. they loved it. You know, they were so excited to have um, something that's just a straight drama and not uh, a flashy yeah. musical. Musicals can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love musicals, but they can be exhausting. <laughs> There is something to be said about I a straight play. I could live in a musical. I don't know what you all are talking about. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me to sing, though. That's that would no, be a no, terrible no. You idea. Don't sing on this podcast. You. It's, I forbid it. Or ever. <laughs> John John Judd, who was in the play, he was playing the the elder um, king. He was just a terrific actor and really a really um, one of these older veterans of the theater with interesting stories. But he said about musicals, he said, "I don't know, man. I just." I can't do it. It embarrasses me. <laughs> I see people, uh, they're in a scene and then they get really emotional and they, they start singing. It's, it's just embarrassing. I beg to differ. Yeah, well, it's a, it's I mean, a particular I'm, idiom. It is. I think, yeah. I, I think I'm with that guy. <laughs> I'm not too much into musicals. I do love opera. Uh, opera is good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, there's of course there's a lot, a lot of musical songs I, I respect and they're beautiful and and I respect everybody that create musicals. There's a lot of work and it's an art. There's it's room just, for all of it. Yeah, yeah, I, not for me. <laughs> I can just see if you were running a house, it's not a producing house, and it's one musical after the next. How right. a, a straight play would be potentially a nice relief. A nice relief. Kind yeah, of, uh, nobody has time for high school musical. Right. Right. <laughs> Please no. No. <laughs> do you sing, Michael? Of course you sing, Michael. You're also a musician. I sing. Yeah, I, I do sing. Um, I haven't done a, a professional musical ever. I did yeah, I did high school musicals. And I, I did workshop a musical uh, by a friend of mine named Jim Nabel and his brother, Sonny Nabel, that I thought was pretty great. But it's hard to get those things launched. This was about the literary world in the village in the 50s. So I played Dylan Thomas and mm. had a couple of solos. And Dylan I, Thomas. Yeah. Dylan Thomas. Yeah. And I, I realized how... 
you know, far behind. I was these people that were really professional um, musical uh, theater artists. They're just, yeah. I mean, I could get there eventually <laughs> by the time we, you know, opened. Yeah. But but they, what they could do in in you know a few minutes was what would take me a week. Right. In terms of working with the material, it's a particular mm-hmm. set of skills. Yeah, there's oh, yeah. a there's a there's a quote from Dylan Thomas in one of my favorite Argentinian movies. Uh, I want to try to translate it from Spanish to English because I learned in Spanish first. But it said it said something like the ball that I threw uh, in the park the last day hasn't re- hasn't touched the floor or something like that, <laughs> or the ground. Right. It's, I mean, it's so beautiful that image. I love it so much. And then that movie, that's the movie we saw, the last, the, the dark side of the heart. That's the mm. translation of the title. It's an Argentinian movie. Kevin and me saw it one time in his yeah, place. Yeah. I remember what that. Was it Sombra la Corazon or something? It's, uh, I'm sorry? Como se dice, uh, dark oh, side. Yeah. Oh, exactly. El lado oscuro del corazón. El lado oscuro del corazón. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a poet living in Argent, in Buenos Aires, and he travels mm. to, to Uruguay, um, to sell himself, you know, doing advertising to make some money, right. survive. But he met this in a brothel. He met uh, this prostitute, and he get in love with her. And she's mm. she, the story is beautiful because the prostitute knows a lot about poets from the from South America and this understand this conversation and relationship. And it's about women that can fly, you know, and people that can fly. But fly uh-huh. is like love. Yeah. It's, it's, it's poetic. It's beautiful. You got Neruda. I love Neruda. Yeah, uh, they, I don't know if there's any Neruda in that movie, but there's a, there's like three different poets from down there. But definitely, I love Neruda. But let's go back to. The, the, I, yeah, no, I, I found just, the I found the the Dylan Thomas quote. You you had it. the ball I threw while playing in the park has not yet reached the ground. And mm-hmm. He's talking about yeah, beautiful his right childhood. Yeah, that's lovely. We watched <laughs> the uh, Bukowski documentary last night. Oh, oh wow! Right. Yeah, that's a fun one. Very intense. <laughs> He's a little rough around the edges, beginning for for a <laughs> yeah. female audience. Yeah, the old saber was uh, was not quite sure, but then they started reading his poetry, and then it was like, oh, okay, all right. Have you ever read his his kind of memoir, fictionalized memoir called Cameron Cameron Rye? Rye? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. yeah. Yeah, moving. No, the, the, fir- the first time I got into Bukowski, same, f- funny, I'm just talking about Argentina again. My father traveled to Argentina and he brought me this book from Argentina and, and of a translation of Bukowski poems in mm. Spanish, but it was with Argentinian, you know, the words and slang. And it's like, it was so crazy. Uh, but it was beautiful. I was immediately, who is this guy? It's like he was talking about, you know, I cannot even say those kind of poems right now. Right. Because yeah, he's, he's the poet laureate of Skid Row. Yeah, sure. obscure and, <laughs> yeah. so obscure and real and beautiful. I don't know. Yeah, Bukowski yeah. was one of those. Perpetually yeah. surprising. A liberator. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Well, so Michael, obviously yeah. we're, we're under quarantine. Are you, I mean, yeah. are you able to do anything like work right now in terms of your acting? So uh, maybe a little writing? Acting? Or? I put myself, this morning I put myself on uh, tape. Mm-hmm. for uh, dancing at Lunasa um, that's going to be done at the Bay Street Theater this summer. So we'll see if, if things are open and they like me, you know, that could be a gig. We'll see. Um, I have, I'm actually trying to pitch and sell a pilot that I shot in the fall. Uh, I don't know if I shared that with you. i share the, mm-hmm. the link with you. Tell me about it. Um, this is, it's called Man Overboard. I play this guy named Doug Mann who in the course <laughs> of one day, um, <laughs> His boss catches him stealing everybody's food out of the refrigerator. It's been going on forever, but sort of catch catch me on the security camera. I get fired for that. Come home to find my uh, my wife in bed with uh, colleagues. And so colleagues I, plural. Colleagues plural. Okay, all right. She's trying to try new things, and I'm saying, "No, oh, man, I, I want you to try new things with me." <laughs> uh, yeah, funny. And then I end up uh, going to my mom, seeing if I can live with her. My mom's like, no, my new boyfriend doesn't like you. Uh, and so I end up living on a boat in a marina in the Bronx <laughs> and sort funny. of finding solace and community among the, the liveaboards on these uh, that people that live on the boats and in, in marinas. Um, so that got uh, directed by this great British director named Sam Cadman. It's eight minute, perfect little 
um, bite-sized pilot that we have right now with a, a 90 second sizzle reel. And that's going to be at the, uh, again, if it happens, it's going up at the Austin short film comedy competition. Um, and then we're trying to get that picked up and developed because it's, it's funny. That sounds you, you were watching, you were mentioning me about this project. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I was like fascinated by it immediately. Is that, there's I'm going to share really with you the uh, eight minute version because you can see yeah. sort of what it's going to be like, but this director is great. He, right. I've never worked with a director like this, but he actually I have kind of in certain contexts, but it's things you can't do in theater where you have like seven alternate lines. So you go, you, you play the scene and it's like, okay, then just keep going. They keep the cameras rolling and they, you just try different lines, different takes, mm -hmm. whatnot. And then you have all of this material and you can edit it down into this kind of mm -hmm. great little, you know, whatever the best take works. Yeah. 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 That, that poor editor. It's a lot of work. I know. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, the producers had a, a, a session like this with me and they said, Michael, your work is great, but I, I have to say we're really sick of looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sure. guys. Sure. Yeah, Aww. indeed. How do you get hooked up with that outfit? Uh, just uh, through my agent, put myself up on tape. Ironically, coincidentally, the director was he, – he used to do this show called Trigger Happy TV, which was on Comedy Central in the 90s. And it was the first – He, he then got into doing commercials. The first commercial, first on-camera thing I ever did, he was the director. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him or heard from him or anything since. And then he turns out to be the director of this thing 20-something years later. That's wild. That's intense. 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Hmm. It was, yeah. Actually, it was 2001, and this happened in 2019. So it was 18 years. Sure. A lot of years. Yeah. yeah. Well, where do people find you online, Michael? Um, you can go to my website, www.michaelbackinson.com. You can find me on Instagram at backintown, at backintown, B-A-K-K-E-N-E-O-W-N. And by the way, Kevin's been trying to figure I've been out trying, Twitter, I've been like trying to find you. Instagram yeah, handle I've been trying to find time. you this entire time. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I thought, do I, I don't have you on Instagram. I don't think so. Back in town. Just checking right now. I found Back it. in town, yep. Outstanding. <laughs> now, you're, now you're in trouble. Yeah, and then, uh, if you want to find any of my, um, I have two albums out. You can go to iTunes, you can go to uh, Amazon, you can stream it. Although then I'll get paid about a quarter of a penny. Um, mm -hmm. I got two oh, albums yeah. up there: Lion Eyes and Sakara Grace. Uh, two albums of original music, and I'm working on a third one right now. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's it's singer songwriter um, stuff. Um, I, I was like Jose, I was always interested in poetry. And then at some point that just kind of started morphing into, um, turning the poems into, into songs. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So I just, I'm always working on a song or two. I just laid down a demo last week with a guy named Doug Maxwell at media, right productions that we're trying to put out a charity album for homelessness. So this is a oh, song wow, I want to fly, uh, from the perspective of a, a homeless person who's, you know, imagining a, a having a home at some point. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's that's the latest thing that I have been working on. I read recently about this movement in L.A. where they're trying to take back the houses that are owned by the state. Mm -hmm. It's the state of California has just a bunch of these houses have fallen to the state through foreclosure or whatever. Mm -hmm. They just don't even want them. And uh, hmm. they're saying, why are why are these houses sitting empty <laughs> why, when there are people in tents? Can we figure something yeah. out? And I think it's an issue in New York yeah. too. Mm. I I have yeah. um, I also dabble in real estate, and I know for a fact. I was just talking to the super of my building that uh, ever since the rent laws were changed to uh, favor the tenants, landlords have been mm -hmm. pulling units off the market and just sitting on them because somehow the way the tax system is structured, if they they have a rent stabilized apartment, they can no longer make more money than what they would make leaving it empty. Yeah. because they can write it off in taxes. So what a disaster. Yeah. Just, Talk about unintended mm -mm. consequences. You've got three bedrooms, four bedrooms. I had a, a, a deal fall apart this summer, you know, that people were, had been coming from one place they've been living in for 20 years, wanted to move into another. And with a, when the uh, landlord heard that they wouldn't countersign the lease because they didn't want them to have long-term tenants. Like, oh, man, so you know, there's an apartment just sitting empty right now. What a what a mm. mess! Yeah, and then when everybody talks about the efficiencies of capitalism, and you see things like this, <laughs> and you go, no, 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 it's not. We were also um, discussing what's going to happen with the uh, rent after during all this. Like, are landlords going to be a little forgiving, or 
there are going to be a lot of people who can't make their rents because of this. That, yeah, that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. What? So they got to. I heard there was a moratorium on yeah. uh, evictions right now during the crisis. Um, I don't know what'll happen. You know, the, yeah. there'll be a huge backlog and a lot of fighting. I think. I think that's probably what's going to happen. We'll be in St. Paul. So <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. We are moving to St. Paul. We're really excited. It's a paradise, St. Paul. <laughs> well, you know, but what's fun is we'll be able to do this. We'll be able to continue. But it's to definitely going to be better than here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, no, you know, New York is New York. St. Paul is St. Paul. Yeah, you, you live in in each place for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think is the case. Sure. And uh, I'll always have a place in my heart for New York City. I love it. It's yeah. crazy. You get you get kind of addicted to the the yeah. grind. I'm gonna miss the pizza. I'm telling you <laughs> right now. Pizza. I'm gonna miss the pizza uh, uh, so uh, much. Oh uh, yeah, that that place up the hill. Even like oh, yeah, those I, places like in Midtown yeah. that are like a dollar pizza. I'm gonna miss it with all that grease and oh, there's nothing like and that. I know and I know you love the pizza. Yeah, <laughs> I see you maybe like. Maybe like 10 times getting food from across the street and maybe six of those is pizza, man. <laughs> I love pizza. Well, it's yeah, got all the food groups. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> Carbs. I had another health test when I was like eight. It was like, is a, is a Hawaiian pizza, does it fulfill all the food groups? And I was like, yes. I got, got marked wrong. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can well, deal with that. Let's do uh, the last uh, five ten minutes of this episode. Let's do a round robin and talk about how we're how we're surviving Corona mentally. And maybe we'll start to my left with with Sabra. How are you surviving Corona? I mean, I'm uh, by nature a little bit more of an introvert, so for me to kind of go into like a dark place and sort of be there is pretty pretty comfortable for me. But I've been doing a lot of like looking at podcasts, like really exploring a lot of those. Um, I listen to a lot of haunted podcasts. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit of a paranormal junkie, so I listen oh, cool. to a lot of stuff like that. All right. Um, I'm sort of like, I've been feeling creatively constricted. Uh, I write myself, and I've just been trying to let my brain sort of relax and maybe like open up to new mm. writing ideas and look at the stuff I've written in the past. Um, I think this is a great time. Also, you know, we're expecting, so that's another thing to think about as well. Huge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about, but we're in the transition, so I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, I'm just, I'm ready to go back and like restart. But yeah. um, in the meantime, I'm just trying to not not get yeah. at this one's throat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we, you know, we have a studio apartment here, so it's not. Uh, there's not, not the most room in the world mm -hmm. for two people to be on top of each other. We're taking a lot of walks is the plan. Yes. And I got to get outside, <laughs> got to get out there. What about you back uh, What are you doing with your, with your family? Uh, similar kind of stuff. I mean, I've been still been running around a little bit. Uh, yesterday was kind of the first day that I didn't, you know, had all over town. That's just sort of my, I'm always, you know, dealing with this, that or the other. So, um, I'm not a huge extrovert. Like I have to be in huge groups or something, but I love freedom of movement. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so that is, is kind of obnoxious. And, and just having that outlet of going like to Kismet where I met you guys, um, to sit down for half an hour, have a drink, have a chat, catch up with people. Yeah. Um, I'm already feeling claustrophobic that that is not an option. Yeah. Um, Cheers is yeah, shut I, down. It is yes, shut down. Like, Cheers is shut down. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, oof. Yeah. No. But um, but on the other hand, I've had good conversations with family, um, with friends that I haven't talked to in a while. Texts. Um, I'm trying to get in touch with my students, figuring out how we're going to continue the the teaching. Um, so there's a lot of kind of problem solving that I've been doing over the last few days. So that's even though I kind of want to be exhausted and done with everything, there's been a lot of little. Uh, logistics that I've had to figure out about how I'm going to um, make stuff work over the next few months uh, or weeks, whatever it turns out to be. Yeah. We just got the um, uh, psychedelic portraiture back for this episode. Oh, so already? I think you'll be, think you'll be happy with the, uh, yeah. Excellent. So, yeah. Oh, I love the one with you guys and the one with Sabra. That was really cool. I love, I love yeah, this those are from our Oh, that's photos. great. Yeah. I can't wait to share that with my, my family. They're going to love and, and, oh, wow. and this, isn't right. that fun? And this is, of course, Peniel Collada on Twitter. And she does this portraiture for every episode of this podcast, which you can see at getthispodcast.com. I just set up a uh, an Instagram account, too, for the podcast. Cool. Uh, so I'm going to have all of these portraits over time. We'll continue to grow it. And that handle is getthispodcast. 
So, Jose, how are you going to survive Corona-chan? Oh, I, I thought you forget to ask. <laughs> Dude, you know, it's not just the dulcet I remember tones, I got man. my feelings, you know. I'm a very <laughs> – everybody gets a turn. All right. Thank you for asking. No, I mean, you know, as you guys know, uh, Cheers was closed last night. The restaurant where I work, Kismet. Uh, um, Everybody's going to choose. No, like I, like I think I, I, I go to say the same thing I was telling at the beginning. Like I'm, I just relax and in so in some way, it's a weird relaxation and you know, kind of really feeling this. Uh, I don't know this soothiness in the environment all the time lately. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's quiet in their houses with the people they love, if they love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. <laughs> I don't know. That we'll kind of, like, in I, a couple it's, of months. It's all around the world. It's all around the world. And that's kind of beautiful right now. The, the, the carbon dioxide is going down in many <laughs> cities. <laughs> <laughs> the world is finally Less getting some oxygen. Air we, yeah, you know, I'm with you, Jose. We, we do. Yeah. I've said this before on the podcast. We, we need a little break from the carnival. There's nothing yeah. wrong with just pressing pause for a minute. Obviously, it's a very yeah, serious yeah. situation. We hope everyone stays safe and healthy and yeah. our hearts go out to everybody affected thus far. It is interesting that it brings us all together in this recognition of our shared humanity. There's no avoiding it now. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's going to make a lot of people, you know, it's going to force a lot of people to look inward and do some thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. that has some value. I also saw, oh, sorry, but I also saw a really funny meme. It was, um, our grandparents got sent to war. You're getting sent to sit on your couch. You can do this. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) I saw that one recently. I think you sent it to us or something. Yeah, that was really. No, I just, I've been seeing it everywhere. It's gone viral a little bit. It's really funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I kind of said these words because we're we're kind of gonna be in London. Oh, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Well, anyway, what my grandpa used to say, my grandpa used to say when when we were sitting on on a table and um, for lunch or dinner, and and we were like, oh my god, chicken again, you know, I was like my grandpa, <laughs> you eat that thing because in China world you eat, you know, that yeah. <laughs> you eat what's put in front of you, yeah, and you be grateful. See, I yeah. never understood that if somebody. If I didn't want to eat something, I would get the, you know, there's starving children in Africa. And I was like, well, then they can have this because I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> Can't we just ship it to them? Yeah. That's what well, yeah. Like, that's that meant nothing to me. Safer sounds are always Such an only child there. Holy moly. <laughs> that's when you were eight years old. Oh, boy. I, know, I just remember my grandmother said it to me one time. And I was like, that means nothing to me. No, no. <laughs> Well, you know, but again, this is it, it, it forces some perspective, doesn't it? What are our priorities and what do we really care about? Uh, and it is a bit of a soft quarantine right now. Yeah. Yeah. New Yorkers I, are I, really reliant on restaurants. And I, take, I was been having know. this idea yeah. for a long time about having uh, one day a year, at least one day a year where all humans just stop and turn the lights off, the cell phones off and do just nothing. Or whatever they want, but just nothing, just chill, nothing. One day, just at an asking. Right now, it came in a different way. We're still connected through the but internet. Were we going to do this. it without this? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But we should, we should have a day like that without viruses. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did anybody get for the, uh, the power outage in like the 2003? No. Oh. Missed that. No, I wasn't were here. You, were you anywhere on the East Coast? That, uh, no, I was I in know. high school. No. That was really interesting. What was, that? was what was that like, Michael? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. There was you could see the stars perfectly. It was like being in the countryside, but in Manhattan. Um, oh, yeah. I do yeah, remember yeah. it on the news, though. Yeah. Yeah, there was no lights, no anything for several days straight. It was um, in August. It was super hot. There wasn't even trains, was there? Nope. Like I mean, it was walking across bridges. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife was going to do a show, and we took a bus down to the village. Of course, the show was canceled, and then. Uh, what was amazing was people just started to party. And like, uh, of course. <laughs> there were, I remember going to Tompkins Square Park. There was a huge bonfire. Somebody was rollerblading down the street with um, glow, stick, like glow sticks taped to their body. So they were like <laughs> That's this. hilarious. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh-huh. So people made the best of it. Yeah. Well, I think this episode yeah. is going to be called The United States of Chill. What do you think? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Sure. Michael, Michael Backinson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's do a round of uh, social media handles real quick. Michael? Yeah, so uh, my Instagram is Backintown, 
and I'm at Michael Backinson at Twitter, and you can find my website at www.michaelbackinson.com. B-A-K-K-E-N-S-E-N. Rock and roll. Michael, I'm going to send you this uh, script I wrote, too, this Hemingway play I wrote. I wrote this cool. Oh, cool. biographical play, but you know I to send it to you. Yeah, I, I've been trying to read that play for a long time, so I'm going to do that, then I'm going to have a break. Okay. Because it's, <laughs> I read a couple of your plays already, Kevin. Yes. Kevin is really good writer, hey. too. So That's very nice. Yes. You're surrounded with nice people. Uh, I'll send it thing. to you uh, right after this, I, Michael. No, Michael, I, still have can... I still have it. It's just no, no, like no, no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to oh, send it to Michael. Michael. But uh, yeah. but and Michael too, if you want to send us the uh, the still yeah. from that show that you were working that's, on, that'd be that's, cool. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, do that right after. Uh, Jose, your your social media. Social media. Uh, what social media? Uh, okay, uh, Instagram. Jose Ignacio Gomez one. Jose Ignacio Gomez uno at Instagram. <laughs> These will all be in the show notes too. And Sabra. Uh, my Instagram is my little black boots, and my Twitter handle is at Feminine Rebel. All right, rock and roll. And I'm All Kevin right. Kelsman, and this is the Get This Podcast, getthispodcast.com. You can find it wherever you get your podcast: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, getthispodcast.com. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, hey, what else are you going to do? You're, you're under quarantine. The, the, right. the United States of chill. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Let's do it again. Peace. All right, all right, all right. Ciao. Later. Thank you.